Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. I'm calling today's message Legacy. Um, why must we leave something behind? Why should we have dreams that leave something behind? You know, at the beginning of um, this year, actually towards the end of last year, just in my prayer time, I kept getting these two words. They kind of are a paradox, but this word of dwell and this word of free fall. And I've been really studying into it because I feel God has um, put something on my heart to study this out. And, and I want to lay it before you as, as C3, as something we can dwell on together. Dwelling is to make home, to take up residence, to, um, to inhabit and free fall is, is to go out there and, you know, nothing can restrain you when you free fall. You just go with gravity. And, um, and I think even though this word is a paradox, it's a lot like what, the, what Jesus is asking us to do with our dreams, is to plan, but to lay them down. And um, as we go on, I just want you to keep this at the back of your mind. That God's going to ask us as a church, as individuals, to do some crazy stuff this year. To fall, to free fall. But you're not free falling into anything. You're free falling into Him. You're free falling into the things of God. Into where He's leading you. Into where He's taking you. And it may not feel safe. In fact, it will not feel safe, let me tell you. But it only must come from a place of dwelling. It only must come from a place of dwelling. I'm going to go into that a little more. You know, as we write our goals, some of you have already written them. Maybe you need to rewrite them after today. Um, we all wake up every morning thinking of, or oh, if, you, if you haven't, I don't think you actually wake up thinking, how can I be insignificant this year? If any of you pray that prayer, come see me after. <laughs> But I think all of us have this yearning, this longing, this desire to be of significance or to bring something that is significant or to leave something behind that is significant or to make sure that you've made a difference. That is a deep longing and from that we do what we do or sometimes we drop what we do or we start again and it's this cycle of, you know, I want to do something significant. But in this quest for significance, I believe sometimes there is a warning that we need to pay attention to, is that we don't trade in our integrity for rewards, our values for acceptance, our friendship for popularity, our self-worth for false images, our learning for appearance, and God's will for us. I know as we are going to put down on paper, we're probably putting down on paper some of our greatest insecurities. Some things that God has challenged us, but for whatever reason, you've not been able to put it down. Because you know, deep down inside, that if you put it down, there is a possibility you might actually do it. And if you do it, there is a possibility you might fail. And so you just don't put it down. Some of you, it's your greatest insecurity. Some of you, it's your deepest fear. And you don't want to go there. 
and you're so scared that once you put it down, you're actually admitting it means you have to do something about it. But hopefully by the end of this, you, you have the courage to do so. So I want you to open your Bibles with me or your iPhones or your tablets or your Androids, like my husband says it. Um, I was just thinking, Ryan, last sermon last week was amazing. I mean, Ryan made us all cry. The whole church was crying. And like, even though, you know, it's very hard for me to see Ryan cry, when he cries, I secretly love it. It's like, oh, he's so soft and vulnerable inside. Boys, here's a tip. Be vulnerable with your wives or, you know, not before that. Don't get too excited. <laughs> but um, thank you because that's helped me even search my heart out as I've been preparing. And it's not been easy. It's been really, really difficult. Who knows? It's not an easy job as a preacher because God deals with you before you can bring the word. And um, I want to read from Mark chapter 14 and verses 3 to 9. says three to nine verse three mark chapter 14 verse three to nine all right i'll read it from here that's okay while he was in bethany reclining at the tables in the home of simon the leper a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. I just want you to picture this. When I read, I always go back into what it must have looked like. You know, everyone's at, you know, kind of like what it would have been in India. Everyone's in a house full of people. And there, all Jesus just reclining, chilling out at someone's table. And suddenly this woman comes up and just breaks this jar and pours oil on his head. It was a bit strange. She broke the jar, put the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why waste this perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly I tell you, whatever, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Wow, I can say bye and go home. That scripture is just, it's got so much in it. I want to draw a parallel to John chapter 12, verses 4 to 8, where it's the same story narrated by uh, John. And, um, but here he actually names those disciples that were indignantly saying to one another. And this is what it says in verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was, a, it was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Wow. 
Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Judas. He is the man right now that draw, God actually drew out to me as I was focusing on Mary. I started to see Judas. And Judas, in what he said, was actually not a bad thing. He was reminding the people that, hey, we could, you know, spend this money on the poor. This should be given to the poor. Giving to the poor was a good thing. Giving to the poor was actually something Jesus worked for. He went amongst. He tried to inculcate. He made sure he put reminders. Throughout the Bible, there are reminders about the poor. What Judas said was not actually a bad thing. But it was what Judas was masquerading behind. As he said this, it seemed noble, it seemed fair, it seemed efficient, it was a valid point. But in verse 6, it said, in Jesus, Judas didn't care about the poor. He made sure he's behind something very close to Jesus. He made sure he put himself behind something that was very close to Jesus. It was an imitation of the principle of what Jesus spoke. But he missed Jesus himself. Mary and Judas both had, by now, encounters with Jesus by this point. Both had encounters with Jesus. It's just the difference in how they responded is what I want to point out. What does Judas sound like to you? He was dutiful. He was disciplined. It said he went everywhere Jesus went for those three years. He woke up in the morning when Jesus woke up in the morning. He did things that he needed to do. He was dutiful. He served Jesus. He was faithful in a way, right, before he betrayed him. But through that, when you see the statement, there was such a joyless, wooden, self-centered, inanimate statement to make. What does this sound to you like? To me, the first thing that I thought about was performance was the performance to do the right things, to make it sound like we're doing the right things, to say the right things, to keep us from actually digging deep down in our hearts. To me, this sounds like legalism. How many of you right now are thinking, oh man, I know Judas in my life. Oh my gosh, yeah, I can name all the people right now that are like this and that need an encounter with Jesus and stop. Look at your own heart right now and ask the Holy Spirit to show you areas in your life that you masquerade so well. How many of us, chief among sinners, point a finger? How many of us have masks we hide? How many of us can say the right thing, can do the right thing, but completely miss the heart of Jesus? And I was thinking, like, really, Jesus? I mean, you put Judas, you knew he was going to betray you, and you put him as your treasurer, really? Like, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it exposes the heart of Judas that he goes ahead 
And not long after, sells Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus gave him the position of treasurer. And I was, I was, I think, you know, after reading a lot about it, I, I feel like God put a guy like Judas in that place to show us what can happen when our hearts are not submitted to God. That we do the right things, that we get the principles right, but we miss Jesus. Another thing about Mary and Judas was, you know, it says in another, I think in Matthew or Luke, it talks about Mary, that she was forgiven of many sins. They both had the opportunity, Mary and Judas, to encounter the Savior who was there to forgive their sins. But Mary was teachable and Judas was not. Mary, on the other hand, you look at Mary in the story, what does Mary do? She goes boldly. It says in John that she had a hair down. You know, in those days, you don't have your hair down unless you were with your husband, unless it was very personal. She had a hair down. She walked straight to Jesus, and she did what she knew was of value. She took the only prized possession she had. It said that bottle of nard was probably worth a year's wages. And in those days, women didn't have access to that kind of money. So in all probability, it was an heirloom. It was something that was given to her to pass on as an inheritance. And here she brings that. She brings that jar, that alabaster jar, that jar which had an outside and on inside was this beautiful fragrance. And she comes straight, boldly, willingly, Originally, I like it. She was original. Nobody did this in that day. She was original. She went straight to Jesus. She broke it. She didn't just come to Jesus and leave it there. She took it and she broke it. You know the significance of the alabaster jar? Is, it was this beautiful ornamental marble on the outside. And once you broke it, you couldn't actually save what was in it. So once you broke it, that was it. So when Mary was giving this to Jesus, she knew that what was on the inside of this jar was way more valuable than what was on the outside. She brought what was of value to the one who was worthy of her value. She was fearless when she did that. She was so secure in the love of God that she was just creatively original. Do you know when you can be most creative for you, those of you who are, you know, need that, who need God, who need to do something different this year, who need to venture out, do you know when you can be most creative is when you know how loved you are because true creativity flows out of love. And she did just that. She went straight to the one worthy of her love. She took the very thing of most value and broke it because she knew what was inside. She could have, she could have taken the jar, used a little, and thought, I know it's going to spoil, so in the next few days I'll just keep pouring it on myself. 
or she could have said you know what maybe i'll just go and put the jar there and jesus looking at my heart cuz he obviously reads my heart will say oh no no you know no need no need and she will like, oh yeah you sure you sure and she probably take it back and go home which a lot of us are guilty of right jesus here's my all and then when he starts to take it all we're like oh maybe maybe just these three things don't touch but everything else is for you or you start off by oh my god i surrender it all to you you know this awesome call of moving to mumbai let's just do this Woo! you're going one year eight and you're like god look what i'm doing for you it's from surrender you start to have this attitude because things don't go out as you plan but here's mary the reason she believed the love of god is not because she was told about it but because she was shown it you know in all her weakness again you don't learn your weaknesses by someone telling you someone can point out your weakness and you go yeah i know i have those issues but it's when you encounter your weakness in your situation where it's all out then you learn from it you go grow from your weakness in an experience you grow from learning that you're loved in an experience and when you know that you're experiencing love it makes you bold it makes you do things you've never done and when you're learning your weakness in experiencing Christ it makes you careful and wise a lot of the wisdom that the bible talks about comes actually through experience and so in proverbs 16 verses 1 to 3 and then verse 9 it says we can make our own plans but the lord gives the right answer people may be pure in their own eyes but the lord examines their motives commit your actions to the lord and your plans will succeed we can make our own plans but the lord determines our steps you know mary didn't just keep the jar she could have it would have been some kind of a submission before god hey god here's it just putting it down there you know i'm putting my heart down on the line she broke it she broke it so that she would not go back to that being her god she broke it so that that was finally laid down before jesus so he could take what he wants and just do what he needs to do with it you know it's so significant that she understood he said she's doing this for my burial mary understood something of the depth than everything everyone else did how did mary know something the depths of jesus's heart she understood that you know what i'm better off giving my most valuable thing to jesus because if he does what he wants with it is actually going to be a legacy and i just love the fact that in those days to be so bold would be quite stupid you were putting yourself in the midst of a room of mainly men saying look how stupid i am by going straight up to jesus knowing that at the risk of being rejected at the risk of being mocked at some some version said that she could have been a prostitute but it's not quite clear some version said she was forgiven of great sin so those people would have known her and she was so vulnerable with what she overcame in god she didn't care who 
was looking at her, she knew the one thing of value and she went straight to him. You know, in the Bible, we're faced with these stories over and over and over again of what it is to lay your lives down for Christ. The story of Zacchaeus, he was um, our modern-day mafia, as you would call it. He uh, was hiding up in the tree because he didn't want Jesus to see him. Jesus wasn't very tall, and there were crowds, and, you know. He thought, if I hide in the tree, I can see this dude, but he's not going to call out my sins. I'm just going to perk myself up here and watch. And Jesus, he's so cool. Like, he just goes up. He's like, hey, bro, I'm coming to your house for tea. And, like, he could have in that moment said, uh-uh. My house is not clean enough. I've got all the money from people lying everywhere that I've taken. You cannot come. Let me go clean it up. And then when I'm ready, I'll call you in. He knew the moment he saw Jesus, he had an encounter with him that he had to have that man in his home. He invited him in. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to your house. And what did Zacchaeus do with that? He went and gave back all the debts he owed to people four times over. That is the transformation of a life submitted to Christ. You can't put money on it. It's the heart that transforms. The boy who gave up his five loaves and two fish in Matthew, he knew there was a need. He knew there were 5,000 people to be fed, 5,000 men plus families. But he gave what he had because he knew it was safest in the hands of Jesus. And Jesus took that and made the impossible possible. The Philippians church, when Paul says and writes to them that, do you know, you guys, when I asked, when I was going around on my mission trips, no other church gave me but you guys. So when you get the love of God in your heart, you give when others don't. You give when others don't understand. You give not unto man, but unto God. The good Samaritan, he gave. He gave because his heart was submitted to God when it's really inconvenient. You know, when you're getting ready to go somewhere all dressed up, looking your best, probably coming to church, and there's a man dying on the road. He stopped for that man, and he gave when it's inconvenient. So what do we do with this? What do we do with these stories of transformation? How do we make it personal? How do we apply it to our resolutions? How do we make it, you know, 2018? In Colossians 3, 23, 24, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive inheritance from the Lord as a reward. You know, when you read this, it starts to kind of convict those areas in your heart where you know that in your workplace, where God's placed you, in the place of influence, in the place as a mom at home or um, whatever, or, or a cleaner or wherever God's placed you, you know that actually when you're doing it, we, we think so often because of how man treats us and the, the sin of man and how disgruntled we can get and how we have every reason to point out why we shouldn't do a good job today because my boss messed up. Remember in those times that everything you do, you do as unto the Lord. 
When you have a heart submitted to the Lord, you don't look as I'm working for this person. You do it with a heart that is submitted unto God. And sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we lay our plans down. Sometimes we say, hey God, you know, I've worked so hard. It's been five years, ten years. I keep submitting this to you, but you keep doing your own thing. So this year, I would like my will to be done and not yours. You know, and it's like that. But if, you, if you have children here, um, I've been a child once and my mother's sitting there so she can testify to this. If you have children, you know that sometimes you know what's not good for them. And they're like pleading, throwing tantrums, they're asking you. I remember as a, as a teenager when things got a little difficult, I would tell mom and dad, you just sort of, you're about party poopers. You don't want to send me anywhere. You just want to say no, 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 no. Because that's the first word that comes to your head. I remember having this conversation with her. And mom and dad would just be like, nah, you're not going there. You're not staying over there. And at that point, I really thought, man, my parents are such killjoys. They just don't know what I need. I wish they did. Because right now, it just seems like a good idea. You know, and... But you know, as, as a parent in that moment, and sometimes you throw in the occasional, you don't love me anymore. Oh, if you're really rebellious, I hate you. And you have these moments, and as a parent, you know what it is like to look at your child and, and say, if only in that moment, it's really hard to keep it together. And, See, if only you knew the sacrifices I made for you. If only you knew why I'm saying no. If only you understood the why behind my no. If only you understood the bigger picture. If only you understood maybe later you will thank me. But in this moment, you just have to understand and trust me. It's like that with God. How many of us are so upset at him because we didn't get what we want in the way we wanted, when we wanted, how we wanted. It didn't look like a Gucci bag or a Prada suitcase. It didn't come in the package we want. It came as, as humility. It came as a no. It came as a wait. It came as, it's not your time yet. You're not ready. And it's so hard to trust in those moments, but... In that storm, when his disciples asked God, do you not see we're about to die? Like, do something. He goes, if only you knew. That's what Jesus told his disciples. And he kind of like put the key in, said, you people of little faith. And I feel like sometimes that's how we are with our plans before God. That's how we are when... We know that we're so scared of that one thing, losing that one thing, or that one thing that we've held so dearly. If we lost that, we've lost everything. Or if that doesn't come through, God, I'm giving you two years. I'm giving up on you. We've made prayers like this, or sometimes even subtly. God, I don't know. Don't ever let that happen to me because I don't know if I have the strength to walk with you after that. That's the very thing Jesus is asking you to break before him today. 
Some of us, it might mean letting go of something that's destroying us. Some of us, it's fear. Some of us, it's complacency, apathy, laziness. Do you know apathy? We always think hate is the opposite of love. But I've read somewhere that it's actually apathy. Because to hate something, you have to care enough to hate it. But for apathy, you don't have to care at all. And sometimes, as a community, as an individual, as a church, we struggle with apathy. Oh, I'll let someone else do it. But that's the opposite to what God came for. Some of us, it's stepping out in faith, and that scares us because we're so logically programmed in our body, in our mind, in our actions, in our past, that we cannot think about the gap, that gap. But this is the gap. What if? And that is the gap of faith and grace where God wants to dwell. But you want it all worked out, and sometimes it means letting go of that. It may mean letting someone in your world. Maybe just repeated stuff that's happened to you. Rejections, hurt, pains, and you've just gone, you know what, God, like, I love you and all, but peace. Peace to the people around. <laughs> Build my walls, and this is how we're doing it, God. You listen to me. Some of us, it might mean letting go of how you think you you are what you dress like, what you do, the image you put up of having the right amount of money and the right car and the right school and the right education and the right college. And it's just this never-ending race of, I have to look the part like Judas. I have to wear the correct mask so no one can see the real me. I have to say the right thing so no one sees what's inside. Some of you, it may mean... You have to cut off from some people. You're afraid to be seen without them. Some of you, you're afraid to be seen with them. Some of us, it's insecurity and pride that keeps us from just getting involved in anything or anyone. Even church, we're happy. We're happy to come in and run out before anyone sees us or anything because we're, we're happy in, our, in ourselves. That we're so hurt and so fragile, but God's like, I want that part of you. I want that place in your life where I can come in and dwell and, and, and be God so that you know me like Mary did. It is not easy. I know that. I don't think Mary was asking God, I know what you have. What do you need me to do right now? She was asking, God, what can I do for you? And some of us need to ask, God, what can I do for you? Rather than, God, what do you need me to do? Because we as humans, we so often value something by the price we pay. We rarely take someone seriously if we've not paid a price for them. If we know we are going to a counselor or someone or, or a teacher that we've paid good money, we make sure we show up at that class. We value something by the price we pay for it. And when you come to God this year, he's asking you if you're willing to pay a price. And the price might not be what you look like. 
The price is not your money. The price is not your job. The price is yourself. Are you willing to pay that price? And even if you lost it, even if you lost that part of yourself which you're so broken about that you don't want to even allow him in that area, even if things didn't work out, at least you've lost it to Jesus. You know John Newton, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace? A lot of us sing that song. We don't know the history of that song. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. John Newton was a slave trader. You know, I read about his biography, just stuff about him, and it said he would love to provoke fights. He would love to go and, you know, cause people to fight one another while he was overseeing them. He was kicked off places. He had an issue with, with anyone who was above him. He could not receive. He had an issue with authority. So he was kicked off. The only thing that he was fit for was to be in charge of slaves. And here on one of the ships, he met Jesus. And that was the song that he wrote with many other songs. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He talked about how many of the killings and, you know, the people died because of the cruelty and what he did. And here he says this, God, the end of his life, what you will, when you will, and how you will. And you know, in this story, we talked about Judas, and Mary, and Jesus. I just want to talk about Jesus for a moment. I love in verse 8, if you can just bring up verse 8. It says, she did what she could. She poured perfume beforehand to pre prepare for my burial. Jesus stood up for her when no one else did. Everyone in the room was against her that day. Could you imagine what it would, can you put yourself in Mary's place in that moment? Could you imagine what it feels like to be a Mary and to have all these men making fun of you, laughing, making comments? It said they were treated her so harshly. And then you have Jesus. I mean, I'm just thinking of this, Jesus reclining, you know, with probably grapes over here and, and, and then these guys mocking him and suddenly Jesus stands up and he says, hey, what she did was because she could. She poured perfume for my burial. She knows what you guys don't. Jesus praised her. In one of the versions, it says, what you have done, Mary, is a beautiful thing. I love the way he said she did what she could. And Jesus was thinking, now I'm going to do what she can't. He was about to go to the cross. And he says, she did. She gave her all. She knew that she could give because she can so many of us, we, we don't want to go to that place. God, what can I? We say, God, what should I? You know? Because we don't want to know the maximum capacity of what's in me. 
But Jesus said she gave all she could. She could not give anything more valuable to her than what she did. And because she gave her whole life, I'm going to use it. I'm going to fill in that gap. I'm going to do what she can't. And this is just the most amazing part of the story is in verse 9 of Mark 14. It says, Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus honored her to the place of himself. He said, can you imagine Jesus standing next to you and saying, whenever people hear about Jesus, they're going to know about you, Mary. They're going to know about you, Rohan. They're going to know about you, Val. They're going to know about you, Catherine. Can you imagine Jesus standing up for her saying that? Saying, whenever my gospel is preached, they will know you as much as they know my gospel. That is the honor he gave her. And I believe it's only in this place of complete surrender can we really find the purpose that we're meant to live. Because you begin to see what's really needed around you. You begin to really see the need around you. You, you begin to see what you're good at. You begin to see the need. You begin to see what you're good at. And you begin to see the opportunities that are around you. And when you start to see these three things, is when you, you can, that's a, it's a good way of trying to find the basis of what you're called to. What is the need? The real need. What is something that God needs me to right now? In that moment, I know Mary would have been thinking all these thoughts, but she knew in order for a few men to be saved. You know, it says, in, in the other version, in, in Mark, it says that there were few disciples that did that. They didn't just point out Judas. What happened to those other disciples? They humbled themselves. They were teachable. And then you hear they repented. But Judas, not for him. Mary knew that she had to do that for some people's heart to turn. She knew she had to do that for people to understand that it's not about what you have, but what you give away. And that is legacy. Your legacy won't come from what you have, but what you give away. And Mary, you know, in this story, I believe is, is a lot like what we desire to do. But Judas is a lot like what we do. And I'm being really honest and open. I, I was so convicted. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, oh, we're like Judas, we're going to betray Jesus. But we betray him in the small areas of our heart. We betray him in the way we don't trust him. We betray him in the way we give him our word and walk away. We betray him in thinking that he is not going to come through like he did. We betray him in, when times go quiet, when times go silent. And sometimes 
we hide it so well. We even hide it with scripture verses. But God's looking straight into our heart. I love it that in the presence of Jesus, like Judas encountered Jesus over and over and over again, that he became so familiar. He was so driven by the things of this world. He allowed the master of money to be his master. What master are you allowing to be your master today? Is it insecurity? Is it lack of trust? Is it that you've been rejected so much that you just want to move and get around your day? You don't want interference. But Jesus wants more. He wants you to take the very thing you're afraid of and break it at his feet. He wants to bring value in the things you're scared of. He wants to bring value in where you've messed up. But he doesn't want you to leave the, the remains in the jar. Sometimes I think we're good at that. But like, Jesus, I'll give you a little. You know, even though you know, Ma Mary knew at that point, if she didn't give everything, what was in that jar would probably spoil away anyway. How many of us know sometimes that what we're doing, they're going to cause our destruction? What we're doing is not going to end well, but we still cannot give it all. Because we want to have some control. We want to feel that our life is in control because sometimes it feels like when you give it all, you may not have any control. You know, and it's, it's stuff that sometimes even your spouse may not know. It's those, those places in your heart that only you go to when no one's around. That's what God wants. That's what he wants to lay down. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.